0: And together, all of God's people said? Part of me is tempted to make them do that one again. I'm not going to do it to Michelle. I won't put you through it. Thank you so much for blessing us this morning and pointing us to the one who is our rock, our redeemer, our shelter, our victory, our warrior king, Jesus. Amen? Have you ever noticed how some people go through life without a plan? I mean, they just sort of drift along, No real vision for where they're going, just marking time. Maybe that's you. I've met a lot of people over the course of my life that have operated that way. I have found myself that way at times. And gotten physically lost because I really didn't have a a clear picture of where I was going. I didn't dare stop and ask for directions. That's not the manly thing to do. I've met a whole lot of people, though, that do have a plan, but it's just not a very good one. Or or they hadn't thought their plan all the way through. My absolute favorite all-time story about somebody who had a plan but didn't think it through worked on his plan for almost 30 years. From from the time he was a child, Larry had dreamed about flying. Larry had dreamed about flying so much that Larry joined the Air Force. But he had terrible eyesight, and they wouldn't let him fly. You may know the story of Larry Walters. He's better known as Lawn Chair Larry. In the nineteen eighties, Larry Walters, a simple man, a truck driver in Northern California, or excuse me, in Southern California decided that his lifelong dream of flight was going to take effect that year, and so he put a plan in place, except he didn't think through his plan all the way. Larry went to an army surplus store, and he bought 45 weather balloons. He tethered those weather balloons filled with helium to a lawn chair. He tethered that lawn chair to his Jeep out in his front yard. He decided that his plan was that he would get a few snacks that he would get a BB gun so that when he got to his appropriate height, he could shoot out the outer balloons and lower himself and descend to a, a comfortable cruising altitude, and then he could shoot out enough balloons when he got ready to descend to go on down. Well, he decided that he probably needed to let the FAA know, so he tethered himself to the lawn chair and to the Jeep and to the balloons, and, and he was going to do that for about an hour just to get acclimated. He had several hundred pounds of water as ballast in gallon jugs that he could keep this lawn chair balanced. The problem was he was going to give about 30 minutes notice to the FAA, have someone in his family call and say there's going to be a guy in a lawn chair floating around Southern California. 1,500 feet or so off the ground was his plan. He'd cruise around, wave at his neighbors, enjoy the flights he was tethered for about 10 minutes when a brisk wind came and it snapped the tether and he was no longer tethered to the jeep. And he didn't stop at 30 feet or 300 feet or 1,500 feet. And he couldn't uh, grab the the BB gun and shoot out anything because when he was untethered, he said it was almost like the rapture had happened. It was as if he'd been shot out of a rocket. He leveled off, get this, 16,000 feet when he became untethered his glasses flew off so he was practically blind and he grabbed hold of the lawn chair and he was holding on for dear life so he couldn't grab the gun 16,000 feet He did have radio contact with his girlfriend, and there are tapes of those. You can go back on the Internet and listen to the conversations that were happening between he and his girlfriend. The the trouble was that at 16,000 feet, number one, it got really, really cold. So he wasn't thinking much about his snacks, and he couldn't let go and grab his BB gun. And and there at 16,000 feet, losing oxygen as well, he flew into the flight path of LAX, Los Angeles International Airport. Now you can go back and read the rest of the story. Long story short, they they did scramble various uh, other aircraft to help him. Some helicopters came and they ended up blowing, blowing him back across out of the ocean and, and he was able to shoot down enough of the balloons to come back Down. He made all of the rounds. He was on Johnny Carson and he was on David Letterman and if you have no idea who either of those people are, let me speak to our college students. It would have been like him going on Jimmy Fallon or or Jimmy Kimmel, so that's what he did. Okay, so you you know we're connected there. He he went on all the talk show circuits and and they asked him when they took him off in handcuffs because he broke a number of laws in Southern California flying up in this lawn chair. Larry, why did you do it? His line would go down in infamy, I guess. He said, a man sometimes just can't sit there. That, that sounded profound to me. It's an amazingly funny story. If you read all the accounts and see the pictures, I mean, here he is in this cluster balloon aircraft, a lawn chair, because he just couldn't sit there. He, he had a plan, but it wasn't a very good one. Tragically, just a few months after Larry Walters went on all the talk shows and got his 15 minutes of fame, he hiked out into the hills of the Southern California mountains and he shot himself. He had gotten attention for all the wrong reasons and his plans that he thought were so grandiose really amounted to virtually nothing and he felt like a lifetime of planning had just brought him nothing and so he felt like his life was worth it no longer living. I've met a lot of people in my 30 years of pastoral ministry that have been on the edge of feeling like life really was not worth living. I've found a lot of people who are are, are working to make a life, but they're not living. They, they, They quit living long before they died. Maybe there are people in this room this morning that have somehow stopped living. You have come to a place where you just mark time. Maybe it's been because of, uh, of an accident, or maybe it's because of a health concern, or, or maybe it's because of financial trouble, or maybe there's been difficulty in a relationship, but you find yourself simply struggling to get up in the morning and to go on another day. There's good news for you today. God does have a plan. And a purpose for every single one of us here today. I want to continue in this series that we have called Kazon. It's a Hebrew word for vision. And that word comes from an amazing passage of scripture we'll look at in a moment from Proverbs. But I want to give you a statement. And I want you to grab this. This has become sort of the mantra, if you will, for all that we're studying over these eight weeks. Everybody ends up somewhere. But few people end up somewhere on purpose. I want you to to write that down there in your notes. And I want to put it on the screen. And I want us to say this together. Do we have those in there? Okay, we don't have those up there. Let, Let me just say it again. Everybody ends up somewhere. Say that with me. Everybody ends up somewhere. Now, let me say the second part. But few people end up somewhere on purpose. Let's say that. But few people end up somewhere on purpose. Let me ask you a question or two. How many of you would like to experience financial freedom? I mean, think about this. A place in your life where you don't owe anybody anything. You're totally debt-free. You can give generously as God calls you to give. How many of you would love to end up there? Some of you perhaps are there, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. I, I praise God for you in that. We've got stewardship ministries here at the church that can help you get there. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But, but if you don't have a plan in place, you're going to get somewhere financially, but, but you may not be somewhere on purpose. Let me ask you this. How many of you would love to be in top physical shape? Anybody here? I mean, if you got invited to go swimming, you could actually show up. You would actually accept that invitation and go. I'm talking about being in shape so that you could play with your kids or your grandkids. How many of you would say, yeah, I'd love to be there, Pastor? Well, everybody's going to end up somewhere physically. But few people end up somewhere physically on purpose. How many of you that are not married? Anybody in here that's not married? Raise your hand. All right. How many of you would say, you know, I really would love one day to find the right person, to to have an intimate, thriving, strong Christian marriage? I would love to be in a place where I could say I'm going to grow old with somebody, and in that relationship we'll have generations of Christ followers coming behind us. Any of you have that as a dream? a plan, I'd love to end up there. Well, if that's the case in your life, everybody ends up somewhere, relationally, but few people end up somewhere on purpose. And for all of us, I want us to consider this notion of a vision from God, a plan from God, a a revelation from God, a directive from God that guides us. You see, God created every one of us uniquely. He's given us all unique past experiences. He's given us all unique sense of spiritual giftedness. And when those things begin to converge and your heart beats fast for something, your passions begin to draw you towards something, then you begin to say, maybe I was created for this. And when you follow God's plan, all of a sudden you end up somewhere on purpose. And that's the whole of this sermon series. And so I want today to show you the phases of Kazon. We'll talk about this, but I want to ask you a question. And this is where this started. A pastor friend of mine, several years ago, brought leaders from his church together. And he asked them this question. If money were no object, what would you do with the rest of your life? So I want to pose that question to Hardy Street Baptist Church. I mean, the good people of Hardy Street Baptist Church, the people that I have spent two years of my life discipling, I have poured into you and preached to you. And for me to ask you this question, if money were no object, what would you do spending, how would you spend the rest of your life? My pastor friend was dismayed because people said, money were no object, I'd buy a bigger house. I'd go get a boat. I'd go on an exotic vacation. Now, in his mind, when he asked that question, his thoughts were turned toward this. People would say, oh, I'd help kids in the inner city. I would help orphanages. I would dig water wells in under... Uh, served countries. I would help with meeting medical needs. I'd, I'd spread the gospel around the world. Now, I know that the good people of Hardy Street Baptist Church were thinking much more spiritual thoughts than my friend's church. When I said to you, if money were no object, how would you spend the rest of your days? Some of you were immediately thinking of all of these incredible ministries that you would pursue. I mean, surely, surely this is not the case. How many of you would really believe God so loved the world that he would send his one and only son Jesus who bled, who died, and rose again so that our greatest dream could be a vacation? If you think about that with me, it's pretty chilling. What is the dream that God really has placed in your heart and in your life? Let me give you our Bible verse. Uh, let's go back to it. It's Proverbs 29, 11, and I want you to hear this. The Bible verse says simply, where there is no, help me out, what's the next word? Vision, vision the people perish. perish. Let's say that together. Where there is no vision, I'm going to say it and then you say it. Where there is no vision, the people perish. The Hebrew word there for vision is the word kazon, and it means a revelation from God. It means a dream. It means a a directive, a vision from God. Where there is no vision from God, the people perish. Now, the word perish means to cast off restraint. It means to run wild. It means to stumble all over yourself. So, this is how we could expand that verse. Where there is no revelation from God... When people don't know what God is up to, they stumble all over themselves running wild. That's the story of Larry Walters. I'm going to figure out a plan and just do what I want to do. That's the story of people who would say if money were no object, I'd buy a bigger house and a boat and selfishly spend it all on my comfort, but a vision from God drives us to a deeper place it drives us to a place where we say what is it that God has uniquely created and shaped and formed and fashioned me to do and to be what is it that God has for me and all of us I believe have been there at one point in time or another in fact if you see it in the Bible uh, in in various characters you'll notice all of what we're going to talk about today all of these phases of Kazon. if you look at Moses or David or Esther if you look at Paul or Nehemiah you'll begin to see these things in their lives and so here's what I want to do this morning I invite your attention to Acts chapter 20 Acts chapter 20 and as we look there we're going to look at the Apostle Paul and we're going to see together from Acts chapter 20 the phases of Kazon, the phases of vision it comes straight from the text and as we see this I believe you'll begin to see how it flows into your life so if you have your Bible go ahead and turn there to Acts chapter 20 and then let me give you a little background Paul has been ministering in Ephesus if you're not very familiar with the New Testament The book of Acts comes directly after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And all of a sudden we have a recording of the growth of the church, the acts of the apostles, those followers of Jesus, as they planted churches as missionaries. And they went literally spreading the word around the world. Now, the rest of the New Testament is made up of letters that some of those uh, men that were missionaries wrote. And here, as we come to Acts 20, we see Paul in Ephesus, a place that he dearly loved, a place where he planted churches. But he feels compelled to move on, to go a little deeper. He had had literally spilled spiritual blood with these folks. He had walked with them. He had taught them. He had nurtured them. We see in the book of Ephesians, his love for them as he instructs them. And now with with some sense of sorrow, Paul knows that he is going to move on. He gathers the elders together and and he begins to say to them, in essence, God is calling me somewhere else. I I don't know fully the, the emotions of the apostle Paul at this time but I do know human emotion is that we like to be comfortable and he was in a place of comfort a place where he loved and he said I'm going to be called out to go somewhere else Some of you through this series will experience this. God's going to call some of you out of a place of comfort. He may call you up into a place of service here in the church. It might be that he calls you into some new area of life to leave your comfort zone, to take a step of faith into a place that is so unknown to you that that's the place where God will get the glory because you fully rely on him. You're dependent on him out there. So with that background, let's read the text together. Acts chapter 20, beginning in verse 22. And now, compelled by the Spirit, I am going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me that prison and hardships are facing me. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord has given me, the task of testifying to the gospel of God's grace. So so I want to give you four phases, if you will, of Kazon, of God's vision, of God's revelation for our lives. And and I also want to do this. I, I want to plead yet again. Wednesdays uh, at noon, uh, during our, our noonday meeting and Wednesday evenings, we are walking through what we've called the Kazone experience. And we're learning together what it means to seek after God's vision for your life. And I want to invite every single one of you to come and be a part of that this Wednesday. Let me give you the four phases of Kazone very quickly. Number one, the Spirit's prompting. The Spirit's prompting. Directly out of our text, it says, compelled By the Spirit, I'm going to Jerusalem. In other words, Paul is saying, this is not my idea. I didn't come up with this. This is God's idea. This is the Holy Spirit's leading in my life. That phrase that is there... Compelled by the Spirit, prompted by the Spirit is a unique word I want you to see. It's the word deo pneuma. Now, I I know most of the time when preachers start giving Greek words, we we zone out, we check out. But this word deo is a pretty amazing Greek word. It's not that we know deo is often related to God uh, in terms of Latin. But in Greek, this word means shackled or chained to. And pneuma, you probably recognize because many people around us these days have been Threatened by pneumonia. Pneuma is breath or spirit. And oftentimes the spirit of God is seen like a a wind or the breath of God. And this is simply saying, I am chained to, shackled by the spirit of God. I cannot help it. I am compelled to go. Some of you say, I've never really had that kind of compulsion. I bet you have. Any of you ever been in the mall or in the airport? And somewhere in the general vicinity, there was a Cinnabon. See, now I'm speaking your language. I mean, I'm talking about those glorious cinnamon rolls that are about that big. I heard an amen. Thank you, Brother Wes. I appreciate that. I mean, you get a cavity just walking by that place. You gain gain weight, gain calories. So you see this big cinnamon roll, and you are compelled by the smell. You are chained by the wind. It is Deo Numa. It's one of those moments where you're just drawn. I can't help myself. I have to go find this thing that I have smelled. The Spirit of God compelled him to go to Jerusalem. The Spirit of God often compels us. How does that work in your life and in mine? Have you ever seen an injustice? You're watching television, maybe it's a news story, and you see something and you go, that's wrong. That just is not right. And I feel compelled to do something about it. I want to move. I want to act. I want to get involved. Maybe it's something locally, and you say, I want to get involved in that. That, that's one of those deo pneuma kind of moments where you say, I must respond. You see, Paul said, I'm compelled by the Spirit of God to go. Yes, I love Ephesus. Yes, I love the Ephesian people. Yes, I love being with them. But I must go. It doesn't make sense to go, but I'm going to go. And one of the first steps is this sense of the prompting of the Spirit of God. And if you've ever been led by the Spirit of God in any direction, perhaps some of you have never responded to it beyond your salvation, but you knew then. Any of you ever have that white knuckle experience? You were in a revival or in in a vacation Bible school and the Spirit of God just began to convict your heart and you could not let go of that pew. And you said, "I, I know that God's calling me to be saved. I know that God is calling me to surrender my life to Him. And you surrendered to Him. You were compelled by the Spirit. Deo Numa. Does that make sense? This is audience participation time. But but beyond your salvation experience, God's Spirit leads us through the Word and promptings to move forward. And we must become spiritually sensitive to God's promptings. That's the first step here. You, you see, you find yourself with that stirring, and you said, I, I know I was created for this. I've experienced that tug. Well, you're well on your way to finding your Kazon if you act on it. Let me show you the second one. The second phase is what I call certain uncertainty. Certain uncertainty. Directly from the text again, verse 22. I am compelled by the Spirit. There's that Deo pneuma. I am going to Jerusalem. What are those next words? Not knowing what will happen to me. In other words, I know that this is what I'm supposed to do, but that's all I know. I know that I'm supposed to do this, but I'm not really sure what's going to happen next. God has given me this sense of, of leaving my secure job to go start a business, but you know what, I need some detail, God. I, I need some detail because I, I, I need some comfort maybe. I, I just need to have my, my bets hedged a little bit. God, I believe, will often say, I'm not going to give you any more details right now because you can't handle them. I believe God at times will say, I'm calling calling you to this, but you can't handle the details right now because, in fact, if you knew all that this calling was going to take you through, you'd say no. I look back on my own calling and say, 30 years ago, if I'd known all that I know now about dealing with people and dealing in ministry and dealing with spiritual warfare and planting churches and all the things God's called us to do, I imagine that somewhere along the way, I might have said, God, why don't you find someone else? I'm quite certain that Stephanie would have said, find someone else. Or my children might have said, God, why don't you call somebody else to do that? Because it's hard, it's tough, and we don't know what's going to happen. But that's the way that God leads us. God prompts us by His Spirit and leads us into a place of uncertainty so that we can trust Him. You see, some of you are in your comfort zone so deeply entrenched that if God did speak, you wouldn't move. And if you did move, you wouldn't move very far because you say, I'm not comfortable moving out there. And out there is where God speaks. And revival will break through in your heart or in your family or in this church when we step out in faith and say, God, wherever you lead, I'll go. Amen. But we're not there. The church in America is not there. Hardy Street Baptist Church is not there. I can say confessionally, Scott Hanbury is not there. It's easy at times to rest on all that God did yesterday. All the while God is pulling and prompting and saying there's so much more. And follow me. Paul could have said I'm going to pastor right here at First Baptist Church of Ephesus the rest of my life. Been comfortable. But he said no, compelled by the Spirit of God I'm going to Jerusalem. Not knowing what will happen to me there. You see it's like walking on a dark path. With a lantern or a lamp or a flashlight in your hand. And you have this much more of the pathway illuminated in front of you. But to see the next part of the path, you have to walk forward. God's word is a lamp unto our feet. A light unto our path. And you need to walk in the light of God's word. In obedience, moving forward. And as you walk forward, he illuminates the next steps. If he showed you the whole path, there's a good opportunity there to say, God... No thanks. Let me give you a phrase. You you, you don't have to know everything. You see, in this place of stepping out, when you say, I know God's calling me to do this. I don't know exactly what's going to happen next. That's where you experience the thrill of living by faith. So let me give you a statement. I will do today what I can do today to enable me to do tomorrow what I cannot do today. Let that sink in. And let's say it together, all of us together. You ready? Here we go. I will do today, all of us, here we go. I will do today what I can do to enable me to do tomorrow what I can't do today. It's critical for you to see that one of the most important things for you to do to succeed is just to start. It's just to move, just to say, yes, Lord, to the prompting of the spirit and you begin to say god i want to move i want to do today that which will help me and enable me and and empower me tomorrow to do the things tomorrow that i can't uh, that i can't do You start doing doable stuff. You see, many of you need to understand this. You have a vision from God. He's giving you clear direction. Maybe it's to write a book or maybe it's to teach here in the church or it's to disciple a neighbor or to share the gospel or to start a business. I, I don't know what the dream is. I don't know what the revelation is, but God's put something in your heart. Maybe it's to sponsor a child or a missionary or to go on a mission trip. I don't need to give you a laundry list of things to choose from. God will put that in your heart. And you felt it, and you know you have. All of us have felt that sense of stir. Oh, God, this makes my heart beat faster. And when you felt it, the question is, what did you do with it? And the greater question is, what are you going to do with it today? Everybody say, Spirit's prompting. Certain uncertainty. Let me give you the third one, predictable resistance. As you step out, you can put it on your calendar. Your spiritual enemy is going to come up against you and try to talk you out of it, try to rationalize through it. He'll try to do something to throw you off course. Look at verse 23 with me. Let's go back to the text. I only know that in every city the Holy Spirit warns me That blessings and pleasures are to come. Oh, wait, I messed that up, didn't I? What does it say? That prison and hardships. Is that what you seek after in your Christian life? God, I want to follow you into blessings and pleasures. Yes. God, I want to follow you into comfort and ease. God, I want to follow you... Into joy and peace. Well, he gives joy and peace. But sometimes it comes in the form of prison and hardship. Rest assured, Hardy Street. Rest assured, men. As we call on our men to rise up, all hell will break loose against us. But be of good cheer. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. We can stand in spiritual warfare in victory. We don't fight for the victory. We fight from it. He's already won the victory. We simply occupy by stepping out. And we cannot step out into the promptings of God and not expect guaranteed resistance. It will come. I promise you there is predictable resistance. All of us will face this. We will come to the place that the enemy will come to try to steal and kill and destroy. Moses, we've got to... We've got to get these people free. Pharaoh, predictable resistance. Joseph, I've got this vision to be a great leader in his brother's predictable resistance. Yeah, we like your coat, but we don't like you. So they sell him as a slave after throwing him into a pit. Nehemiah, I've got a burden to rebuild this wall. It consumes me. Sandballot and Tobiah, predictable resistance. You see, you get a vision to have a godly marriage and say, you know what? We're going to pray together. And you start praying and your wife somehow doesn't like the way that you pray. And the next thing you know, there's a shoe flying across your bedroom. Predictable resistance. That's not a testimony, by the way. That's just an illustration. Just making sure. You commit yourself to get in great shape. I've got a vision from God. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to go to the store and I'm going to buy fruit. And Twinkies are on sale 75% off. (laughs) Predictable resistance. And and I joke about those things. But whatever spiritual venture you're beginning to step into as a, a, a following step of obedience to the promptings of the Spirit of God you will meet with certain uncertainty. There'll be things that God does not reveal to you, and you have to trust Him, and you will meet opposition. I can guarantee you that. That's not uncertain. That's guaranteed. You'll press through it, though. Many of you over these eight weeks, God's stirring in your heart, and you're going to want to step into a further place of certain uncertainty, and and you're going to reach out to some things that cause you to pause maybe in fear, I want to challenge you to press through it. I want to challenge you to move forward. The final one I want you to see is what I call uncommon clarity. Uncommon clarity. I want to show you one of the most powerful verses in all of the Bible. In fact, we've read it two or three times already here. In verse 24, it's where Paul says this. You you have to feel the power of this statement, church. I don't want you to miss this. And we'll wrap up and we'll close and we'll move on. But I want you to begin to hear this, that God desires for us to step out of the boat of comfort into certain uncertainty and meet the resistance that's promised head on and get very, very clear on this sense of clarity, uncommon clarity. Not everybody hears from the Lord this way because they're not listening. He speaks to all of us. Paul said this, uncommon clarity. However, I consider my life worth nothing to me, if only. I, I consider my life worth nothing to me. If only I may. I I stopped it right there on the screen because I want you to fill in the blank. If you came to the end of your days and the epitaph was written on your tombstone, what do you want it to say? My life was worth nothing to me. If only I accomplished this. Do you want it to say, here lies so and so. They saved a million dollars. Because guess what? You won't take that money with you. Here lies so and so. He was a good friend. Noble cause. but is that all? Is that enough? If you come to the place of understanding the clarity of God's calling upon your life, then you'll say as Paul, however... I count my life worth nothing if only I may. And then he said, here's what it is for me. I must share the gospel. I must tell people about Jesus. I must be about the Father's business. I must be doing those things that he has called me to do. And you begin to step out of the prompting of the Lord in whatever area. I'm not telling you that God's going to say you need to sell your home and move uh, across the world or across town. He may, but if he does, are you willing? You know, I used to preach this all the time. I'd come to Genesis 22 and God has called Abram to this place of sacrificing the promised son Isaac. And I used to preach it this way with confidence that as he raised the knife and God stopped him, he just wanted to see if Abraham was willing to do it. God didn't call him and say, I want you to be willing to sacrifice your son. He said, I want you to sacrifice your son. There's certain uncertainty there. Now the miracle there is that he had enough faith to say, we're going to go and worship and we're going to return. He knew that he could trust God one way or the other. For all of us, maybe we haven't dreamed deeply enough. Maybe we haven't pursued the Lord passionately enough. Maybe we haven't listened with spiritual ears enough. I want to give you a final prayer, and then we're going to move forward. Because in these coming days, we're going to continue over and over again to think about this notion of Kazon, a vision from God, and following after him growing. Hundreds of years ago, centuries ago, a guy by the name of Francis Drake prayed this prayer. We'll put it on the screen. Disturb us, Lord, when we are too well pleased with ourselves, when our dreams have come true because we have dreamed too little. When we arrive safely because we sailed too close to the shore. What a great word. Lord, cast us out into the deep where we must trust you and you alone. I I don't have to make the ultimate application of this message. I pray that the Spirit is doing that already in your soul. That, That some of you would say... God, I really want to know what it is to live for you. And like Paul, be able to say, I consider my life worth nothing to me if only I may please the Father. If only I may bring glory and honor to Jesus. As we begin to pray this morning I'm going to ask for just a moment every head to be bowed every eye to be closed I'm going to call our musicians forward to come for our song of invitation but as we prepare to pray this morning I I want you to hear this just heads bowed and eyes closed many of you in this room know that you were created for more you're not just a paycheck you're not just paying a mortgage you're not just trying to get your kids from here to there You're not just trying to graduate college. You know that there's some divine purpose in your life, but you're not quite sure what it is. Maybe you sensed it, but you haven't had the courage to take the next step. If you really believe deep down inside that there's a divine reason for you being here on this earth and want to be able to say like Paul, I consider my life worth nothing, if only I may. Would you just, as a testimony of that desire, slip your hand up? If that really is you, Lord, I I just want to be there. (laughs) As hands are up all over the place, here's what I pray. Heavenly Father, in the name of your risen Son, Jesus, that our greatest vision would not be a nicer house or a more comfortable life, but a life that would please and honor you in every way God I pray for all of those that would take this call seriously in these coming days as we walk through this experience of seeking vision together I pray that you would speak to hearts like never before and we would never be the same God I pray that people would experience the the Deo numa; they would experience the compelling of your spirit and that they would walk into uncommon clarity without a doubt knowing that you've called them there. God, that we would live lives so that we would hear, well done, good and faithful servant." In Jesus' name, amen. How many of you this morning would say, yes, pastor, that's me. (laughs) Yes, pastor, that's me. I want to call you to a place of decision this morning to pray and say this week I want to be sensitive. I've given you some action points there at the bottom of your notes and I want to challenge you to pray through those things. I want to challenge you to to contemplate what it means to follow the compelling voice of the Spirit of God. Maybe today you need to join with this church. You need to unite in fellowship here. We want to call you to do so. We have encouragers that will be here, just a, a a team of prayer partners. And their, their role is just to pray with you and to encourage you in any decisions that you might have. Maybe you want to start a relationship with God. They can help you with that. Maybe you want to deepen your relationship with God. Or, or maybe push the reboot button and say, I need to start over. I need to do over a fresh new start. They'll, they'll help you with that. So as we stand together and sing, you come and let God have his way in your life.